We read this statement a minute ago, and he, it was talking about Rehoboam, he did evil because he prepared not his heart to seek the Lord. Now, there's a couple ways you can take that. You can take it as saying that the reason he did evil was because he did not prepare his heart to seek the Lord. If he had prepared his heart to seek the Lord, he would not have done evil. Or you can take it this way. He did evil by not preparing his heart to seek the Lord. Now, you may not see the difference there, but the bottom line is either way, the evil that Rehoboam did was ultimately in not preparing his heart to seek the Lord. Do you see, God is telling us here that if you don't prepare your heart to seek the Lord, that in itself is evil, and or it results in evil. Either way, it's evil to not prepare your heart to seek the Lord. Now, you're in 2 Chronicles 19, and we're going to read verses 1 through 3. 2 Chronicles 19, verses 1 through 3, which says, Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, returned to his house in peace to Jerusalem. And by the way, he returned here. You know the story that Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, went to visit Ahab, the wicked king of Israel, and wound up being confederate with him in a a certain effort. And so he's coming home now from that battle, from that trip. It says, verse 2, Jehu, the son of Hanani, the seer, went out to meet him. And said to King Jehoshaphat, shouldest thou help the ungodly and love them that hate the Lord? Let me tell you something. I've never been specifically sent by God that that I can think of uh, to go and confront somebody and say, thus saith the Lord. You know, um, I'm not saying I've never confronted anybody, but I've never been in a position where God said, uh, Joe, go down, stick your finger in this guy's face and, and tell him you messed up. But I can tell you this. Just standing up here when I know God has has given me a message that I don't want to bring, I would not want to have been Jehu to approach the king. Not for fear that Jehoshaphat was going to do anything, but simply, I don't want to be the guy that's that's, uh, always having to make confrontations. I don't want to be the guy where the king has to say, don't you have anything good to say? But here's Jehu and God sends him. He says, Jehu, the son of Hanani, went out to meet him and said to King Jehoshaphat, Shouldest thou help the ungodly and love them that hate the Lord? Therefore is wrath upon thee from before the Lord. Man. Now, by the way, Jehoshaphat's one of the good guys in the Bible. But he messed up on this one. But here's what I want you to see. Even after this goof up, verse 3, Nevertheless, there are good things found in thee. In that thou hast taken away the groves out of the land and hast prepared thine heart to seek God. Now we have two contrasting statements here. In 2 Chronicles 12, it said that Rehoboam did evil because he prepared not his heart to seek the Lord. Here, even after Jehoshaphat had done wrong, it says... That you've done good and that you have prepared your heart to seek God. Though he'd made some mistakes, 
God was pleased that he had prepared his heart to seek the Lord. I see some important truths in this contrast here. First thing, first and foremost, absolutely. If you want God, you have to seek him. Nobody gets God by accident. Nobody gets God by chance. If you want more of God in your life, you have to seek him. Second thing I see here is if you intend to seek the Lord, you have to prepare your heart for it. That's very important. So you're not getting any more God in your life unless you seek him. But before you seek him, You've got to prepare your heart to seek Him. Now, if your accountant, let's not do accountant, let's do your banker, tells you, well now before you, before, okay, well we've, we've had, we're, we're in the middle of this right now. We went to our bank and we said we want to do some things here and just to strengthen the church. We don't need money. We just want to, we, we want to improve our standing here, our situation. And the banker came back and said, you look like you're in good shape. Looks like we can uh, do this in some way. But before we can even talk, we need this from you. And so we've been working on the this for a couple of months here. We've about finished with that. But... We didn't say to the banker, well, that's stupid. No, the banker said, before we can grant your request, we're going to need this from you. And what you see very clearly in these two passages and many other places in the scripture, you want God? Yeah, I want God! Okay, if you want God, you've got to seek him. And before you're ready to seek him, you've got to prepare your heart to seek him. Wow. Wow. One guy did evil because he didn't prepare his heart to seek the Lord. Another guy, even though he had just really messed up big time, God said, but you know what? There's still good in you because you prepared your heart to seek the Lord. And I see this. Each of us will choose whether or not we will prepare our hearts to seek the Lord. Now, that leads to an obvious question. Okay, pastor, how do you prepare your heart to seek the Lord? I want to give you an illustration, and I'll give you just a couple of thoughts. And after I give you those couple of thoughts, I'm going to give you 22 points. No no kidding. Um, Oh, no! 22 fast points, I promise you. They'll go so fast that you won't even have time to think about one point before we're on to the next one. It's going to go that fast. But first, let me give you an illustration, all right? When I was uh, a kid, and my father would get off work, it would be, I don't know, I'm guessing, April or May, um, year after year. My, my grandmother, who lived just up the road from where my father worked and, and not even five minutes from where we lived, uh, there was a garden out back. I mean, a massive, massive garden, a vegetable garden. And so my father would, would get off work, and uh, you talk about a, a, a commune, um, right down the road from where my grandmother lived, which is right up the road from where my father worked, was where my, one of my uncles lived. Actually, there were, there were three uncles and three cousins, all right, <laughs> all separate houses in there. Anyway, um, 
But for one of my uncles that lived there, he had a, a Ford, uh, Ford tractor that uh, actually my other uncle next door also had the very same model Ford tractor. It's all great. But anyway, uh, so my, but my father's, my father's brother uh, had a Ford tractor. And so my father would uh, stop on the way home from work and borrow my uncle's tractor and uh, take it. And, and uh, uh, sometimes he'd use the plow and, and, yeah, I think it was the plow, and, and uh, hook it up and take it right down the road to my grandmother's house. Why? Because it was time to start working on the garden. And the first thing we had to do, first thing we had to do was not plant the seed. The first thing we had to do was to plow the ground. And when you saw my father with that Ford tractor out there plowing the ground, if you were a neighbor, you'd look out and say, oh, they're ready to plant. They're getting ready to plant. It's that time of year. They're getting ready to plant. What was he doing? He was preparing the ground to plant the seed. After we did that, you couldn't, you couldn't plant the seed on plowed ground. You could barely walk on the plowed ground. It was, it, was, it was crazy. So the next move was to take the rototiller and uh, go out there. And, and we you know what a rototiller is. And you take that rototiller out there, and it was like fighting a bear trying to walk through that uh, plowed ground. And, try to, and what that does is that takes the big plowed chunks and breaks it down into smaller chunks that can be raked out and where finally after you've plowed it and tilled it then you could plant the seed so when you saw the rototiller going you knew it's time to plant the seed to me that is a perfect picture of prepare your heart to seek the lord you don't just go into the backyard that's been overgrown since last october and just start throwing seed down. You prepare the ground to plant the seed. And if you want to hear from God, you don't just take your heart that is so full of the world and so full of selfishness and so far of, uh, so full of a, of a lifestyle and philosophy that leaves God out. We have no idea, I don't think, just how much The world we live in doesn't just leave God out, but pushes God out. God, get out of here. And it's influencing us constantly. It influences us through our co-workers. And I'm not saying they're bad people. That's not the point. But their their push God out mentality is constantly influencing us. The push God out mentality of of the uh, television we watch, the movies we watch, the things we read online, the the music we listen to, the push God out mentality. Maybe not every one of them, but do you understand? We have uh, producers, we have actors, we have writers, we have singers, performers. There are so many different people contributing to all the things that we watch and listen to and read and experience that some of them have a push God out attitude and we're being influenced by it constantly, you're not going to go from being constantly influenced by a push God out attitude to suddenly being ready to seek the Lord. There's going to be some plowing that needs to be done first. There's going to be some tilling that needs to be done first. So with that in mind, what do you do to prepare your heart to seek the Lord? Now I'm basing this on What I see in scripture with these two men, what the one man did, what the other man didn't do, 
And I am basing some of this on personal experience and what I've seen in people's lives. How do you prepare your heart to seek the Lord? Number one, by focusing your heart's attention on the Lord. Now you say, well, I do that to some extent all the time. Okay, but we're talking about in a very concentrated way. We're talking about can you take a few days to push as much as you can, everything else aside, and prepare your heart to seek the Lord. So that when you come into the service tomorrow night, Brother Jenkins preaches first. Before he preaches, the Howes Anderson tour group sings, and uh, Brother Hayes sings, and, and uh, there'll be some other specials from people in our church. The choir sings. And uh, is your heart ready for the seed to start to be planted? Or are you just coming in with, with all the overgrowth of, of day-to-day life? Or is your heart coming in prepared to seek the Lord? Is, is it ready to, for, for the seed to be planted? You do that with a focusing your, your heart's attention on the Lord in a special way. How do you do that? How about with an extra regular dose of Bible? Okay, if you have a smartphone, this is, this is so much easier than it used to be. But find a way. Look, you, can, you know how to get songs on your iPhone. Find a way to get scripture on your iPhone. When I came to the pulpit this morning, I, I took us right to Psalm 150. And the reason I did is because I've been listening to Psalm 150 over and over again for about the last two days. All right? And so in all my playlists here, uh, I've got about five playlists. I've got one that just says praise on it. It's got one song on it. That song is Psalm 150, read by Alexander Scorby. Oh, right here. Praise ye the Lord. Yeah. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. By the way, listen to this. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. I love that. Anyway, the sound of the trumpet. Um, Alexander Scorby. That is the classic. By the way, that is the first recording of the first full recording Genesis to Revelation uh, voice recording of the Bible. It's made in the 1950s. Alexander Scorby, by the way, who was a, a, a classical actor and uh, was born in Brooklyn but lived in Beth, in no, not Bethel, Newtown. And uh, Alexander Scorby, that's probably the most famous recording of the Bible there is, a very, very famous voice. But anyway... And let me see, this is not a commercial. I don't get any profit off of this. You can go to scorby.com. Let's just change. You can go to scorby.com and for $20 get the entire Bible on audio and every chapter is a separate MP3 file. Now, some of you, I'm talking Chinese right now, but to some of you, you go, oh, wow. So that's 100, 1,189. You don't want to put them all on your phone. That's a lot of memory. But put them on your laptop. And as you use them, as you need them, put them through iTunes or however you load stuff onto your phone. That's what I'm talking about, extra doses of Scripture. How about instead of listening to whatever, and maybe not bad things, you know, uh, politics, sports, music, whatever, as you go through the day tomorrow and Tuesday, 
have some scripture that you're listening to on the way to work or while you work, if you can do that or, or whatever. You know what your schedule allows. Find a way to get more scripture into your mind and into your heart to prepare your heart to seek the Lord by focusing your heart's attention on the Lord through prayer. Prayer. Not specifically praying for anything, but just the time that you spend with God in prayer. God, please do something special in my heart this week. I need you this. And what, what, are we, what are you doing? You're plowing up the ground, the ground that's so full of the world and of self and of the nonsense that we all are bombarded with every single day. You're plowing up the ground with, with scripture and with prayer to say, Lord, I want you to do something in my heart this week through praise. Through praise. That is why Psalm 150 has been on my heart. To me, Psalm 50, uh, 150 is one of the ultimate praise chapters. We have this wrong idea about praise, and that is that, well, it's time to praise the Lord after something good has happened. All right, let me tell you, if that's true, everybody on the count of three, I want you to inhale. Ready? One, two, three. One, two, three, exhale. One, two, three. All right, hey, something good just happened. Something good just happened. You just took another breath. There's a whole lot of people today that expected to do that all day, and somewhere during the day they stopped doing it. You just took another breath, and hey, the Bible said, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. I'm saying you always have, there's never a bad time to praise God. There's never an inappropriate, now it may be inappropriate for you to do it openly and and vocally when someone else is grieving or hurting, but there's, there's never a time for you to stop praising God in your heart. Uh, how, do you, how do you prepare your heart to seek the Lord? By focusing your heart's attention on the Lord. Also, by removing the distractions. Look at what it says about Jehoshaphat. Nevertheless, there are good things found in thee, in that thou hast taken away the groves out of the land. Now, I don't have a lot of time to talk about groves, but what they were, were unscriptural, unholy, ungodly places of worship. And yes, many times false worship, but even there were some times where they set up places to worship God, but they did it in the wrong place in the wrong way. And Jehoshaphat got rid of those things. Might not be a bad idea. Okay? If, if it's not the Bible or prayer or fellowship with God that gets you through the day on a, on a regular day, if it's something else, what would happen if you did away with that thing for the next couple of days? Just, just to prepare your heart to seek the Lord. What if, what if you, whatever it is, I'm not going to name anything because all the way, all of a sudden you're going to say, pastor said that's sinful. And that's not the point. What is it? To, do you news yourself through the day? Do you, do you Instagram yourself through the day? See, I said I wasn't going to name anything. I, I'm, I'm not trying to nail any of those things. I'm saying, if that's what gets you through the day, maybe for the next couple of days, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep my distance from it so I can prepare my heart to seek the Lord so that when I come into church tomorrow night, I'm not going to be all Facebooked up. I'm going to actually been doing some plowing. I'm ready for God to do some work. Another way is by setting aside a time and a place to meet him. Now, that's what we've done, and that's why. That's why we have special meetings. It is a time and a place set aside to meet with God in a special way. We don't do this every week. We, we do this like this. We do once a year. And in some fashion, we do a few times a year. 
But this is the only time we do it just like this. And what is it? It's a, it's a place and a time to seek the Lord. If you want to read a chapter tonight, read Nehemiah chapter 8. And read about a time and a place where they set aside and they put some effort in. Can I say this? I am absolutely not meaning to, to slam anybody. I'm, I'm just giving praise where praise is due. But um, everything thus far, beginning with the, with the beautification of the inside and the outside of the building, the, the meal last night, so many things would absolutely would not have been possible. And some of you did so much work that I hate to call these names, but I'm telling you, me included, these, these two people are above and beyond. And that, would be, that would be my wife and my dad. So many of these things do not happen if it wasn't for my wife and my dad the last, the last week. Now, I can, let, me, let me just about assure you of something, that they're going to get something from the Word of God. Maybe they did this morning, maybe tomorrow night, maybe Tuesday night or Wednesday night. You say, how do you know? Because they've been plowing. They've been plowing. They've they've been preparing a place for the seed to be sown in their heart. All right, so the obvious question there, how do you prepare your heart to seek the Lord? Now, you need to get, get to creative. You know your heart. But I gave you some ideas there. By focusing your heart and attention on the Lord. By removing the distractions and by setting aside a time and a place to seek him. All right, so now here's the next obvious question. And that is, what can happen here? You know, friends of mine last few days and, and uh, uh, people that know that camp meeting is going to happen. I've been getting texts and praying for you, praying for your meeting. And here's what they say. Looking forward to seeing what the Lord is going to do. And that's great, and I love that. But what does that mean? What is it, what is it we're anticipating? You know, are we going to see rushing mighty wind and a, you know, tongues of fire upon all of our heads? Is that, if God wants to do that, I'm in. But, no, that's not what we're looking for. What do we mean when we say, look forward to what the Lord's going to do? I mean, well, you hear that often when it comes time for special meetings. We're, we're looking forward to what the Lord's going to do here. Well, what I did was I made a list of 22 things. I'm just going to read it to you. I may explanify on one or two, but just going to read it to you. Of things that God has done in my own heart through meetings like this. Things that I've seen God do in other people's hearts. And things that God has done right here in our camp meeting. And this is what we mean when we talk about looking forward to what the Lord's going to do. What? Okay, let's... Listen to this and see if if you don't need God to do something like some of these things in your own heart. Maybe you can identify something that specifically that you need God to do. You know, stop stop dreaming of the of the of the envelope full of cash that just winds up in your mailbox. It's like that. Pastor Clark said this morning. It's like that. That's the only definition of blessing we have. Oh, that ain't it. No, let, let's talk about the things we really need and the things that will really help us and change our lives. Okay. Give me some examples. Maybe what God's going to do for you this week is to show you solutions to long-standing problems in your life. And, and the Bible calls that wisdom, calls that understanding. God, sometime this week, could open your eyes and cause you to see, oh, I've been struggling with this thing for years, and now I see that's what I need to do about it. 
Maybe what God's going to do this week is to show you how to have personal victory. That you've had a a, a nagging something that that you just can't overcome. And this week he's going to show you something. As they say, uh, you're going to have a breakthrough. But that's that's a real time that can come in your life where all of a sudden, I think I understand something I've never understood before about how to have victory. Maybe it's that God's going to show you a weakness or a failure that you didn't even know you had. Why? Be- because you've grown enough for time, God. It's time for God to open your eyes to something new that He needs to work on in you. And this week He's going to show you, and you say, "Man, I've been, I've been caught up in that in years. I never even, I never even thought of it as a negative, but now I see, or, or I didn't even see that in myself, but now I see." Maybe God's going to open your eyes to something like that, that it's time, and and you're going to be able to take a step up in your life. Maybe it's that God's going to this week give you a mercy and a compassion for people that you've never had before. Maybe this week God is going to give you grace to forgive. Maybe he's going to give you a deeper love for his word. By the way, understand these are all things that you only get from God. We talk about these things as if we can just conjure them up on our own anytime we want to. No, these are all gifts from God. Maybe God's going to give you a greater surrender to His will. Maybe God's going to give you this week the ability to stop comparing yourself with others. Oh, that's a great day of victory. Comparison will kill you. It'll give you ulcers. It'll give you nightmares. It'll make you paranoid. It'll, it'll, oh man. Maybe God's going to give you grace to stop comparing yourself with other people. Something else God could do and God has done is that God could give you a peace that conquers your temper. A peace that conquers your anxiety. A peace that conquers your personal conflicts with people. Maybe the thing that God is going to do is to get things out of your way that have prevented your growth. I'm talking about this week in some service, some message. And you know, it could be, and boy, I've seen this. I've experienced it and I've seen it in others. The preacher's up here preaching on something, and the whole crowd is hearing pretty much the same thing. But one person is getting like a personally delivered gift from God. And they walk out of there with a a, a brand new victory because God took something out. Of their way. You know, last night, all three messages so far have been, but last night's message to the men about forgetting your sin. If you've given it to God, God says He's forgiven it. Stop asking Him to forgive you when He's already done it. That's life changing right there. And that may have been a gift from God for somebody in the room last night. I don't know. Something else when we say, looking forward to what God's going to do, we're not looking for fire from heaven. We'll take it if it comes, but that's not what we're after. 
We're not looking for, you know, people, you know, the story, Enfield, Connecticut, Jonathan Edwards, and he's up there reading his sermon, and people are hanging on to the pillars so they don't fall off into hell. That's amazing. Number one, we don't have any pillars here, so that ain't going to work unless you go out in the front. But no, that's not what we're after. Oh, don't, don't misunderstand me. If there's an outpouring of God like the world has never seen, yeah, I want it. But that's not what we mean when we say, looking forward to what God's going to do. No, I'm talking about stuff like teaching me how to yield to his spirit. That's a huge victory. That could, that's a victory that could change your whole world. We're talking about stuff like God giving you a right attitude to do the work of the ministry. That would be a huge breakthrough. Man, I, I just, I'm doing everything I can and it seems like I'm just beating my head against the wall. And By the way, do you know when God did that for me in a big, big way? 2002, the first time Brother Jenkins preached here. And he preached, and I, I, we rented a 350-seat auditorium, the Second Kent Baptist Church in Kent. We were still, obviously, in the VFW. The only reason I rented that was not I was expecting a big crowd, but at the VFW, they drink Monday and Tuesday night. So we couldn't have, we couldn't have special meetings there. So I had to find another building. So I rented that building. 350-seat auditorium. I, I did not invite another church at all. We were running about 60 people in church, maybe 70. And when you're running 60 or 70 people on Sunday morning, you can't even expect half that much at a special meeting. That's just how it works. I knew we were going to have about 25 or 30 people. So I'm bringing in this man that preaches in a different church every week around the country and asking him to speak to 30 people each night. And here's the thing. I didn't care. I didn't care because I just needed somebody to get inside my head and help me. We went down, don't forget, this is 2002, which comes right after 2001. All right, so you with me on the calendar? So we drove down to ground zero, and then we drove up along the Hudson River and saw West Point and drove through the, on the uh, east side of the Hudson River and through the hills there and, and uh, um, the, the uh, Route 9 over there. And the whole time he's just talking, 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 talking. You know what I got that week? I got some tremendous liberty. I had a man for the first time ever tell me some things that I didn't have to worry about. Stop worrying about this, that, and the other thing. Now, there's some things, and I'm sure there's still plenty of things I need to be liberated from. But there's some things you need to be liberated from. And God could give you that this week. So that you quit banging your head against the wall and and have a right spirit towards the ministry. The, The ministry is its own unique work. Nothing else you ever do qualifies you for it until God qualifies you for it. And maybe this is the week where God gives you the right spirit for the work of the ministry. Maybe it's the week where God gives you a burden. Would you listen on this? God gives you a burden or an idea for how to finance his ministry. 
could I throw something out here? Can you pause that, Rob? Maybe God gives you a new burden for prayer. Maybe God gives you an eternal perspective of, on life. Maybe God gives you a burden for lost souls. Maybe God gives you the ability to see things as He sees them. Maybe God allows you this week to either bring or to begin to bring a loved one to Christ. You remember the year Brother Corky's dad was dying? Brother Corky came down, Tony Hudson was preaching here that year, and I can still see us all up here and Tony Hudson's big old uh, body here, and, but we're all gathered around praying for Brother Corky. Brother Corky went the next day and led his dad to Christ. Maybe it's that God calls you to some area of service. I know of, of at least three churches. I mean, I could tell you where they are that were started by men that God called in our camp meeting. God said, you need to go. One's in Canada. One, two are up by Albany. Guy came one year with a, with a, with a, a bow tie on. Just, just dressed like, just a layman, not a preacher. Came, sat right back here all week long. By the end of that week, God said, you need to be a church planner. And he has since then planted, I think, at least three churches up near Albany. Not a, not a preacher. Not, not a, I don't think, a big soul winner, but just a guy that just goes and gets things done and organizes, and he's a retired man, and, and, and God put that on his heart right here during camp meeting. Maybe it's God op- uh, calls you to do to some area of service. Maybe it's that God opens a new door of opportunity. 2009, you remember that year? And I won't tell the whole story again, but it all culminated here this week, that, that week that we started our broadcast. Two weeks after camp meeting, we, we got it going, and it's been going ever since. In a couple of weeks, we'll celebrate eight years of broadcasting, the only gospel message that goes out every week in the city of Danbury. Amen. That was born in camp meeting. Do you see what I'm saying? Maybe God gives you a greater daily hunger for God. Or maybe, this is the last one and the greatest of all, maybe God causes you to fall in love with Him like never before. That's 22 examples. Probably if we open it up for testimony time, we could double that number if you told things that God has done in your heart. Not just in camp meeting, but in special meetings. In your life. So many things that God does when we set aside a place to prepare our hearts to say, actually, no, the place is to seek the Lord. We prepare our hearts before we get there. Do you, do you understand that? So my question to you tonight is, is your heart prepared to seek the Lord? You got time. We're not having this meeting because we want some big shot preachers to come in and impress us all. First of all, none of these men is big shot preachers. We're having this meeting because we want to clear off a spot to seek the Lord. And before we come to that spot, we want to prepare our hearts to seek the Lord. Is your heart prepared? Have you, have you done any tilling at all? Have you done any plowing at all to prepare your heart to seek the Lord? Let's bow our heads for prayer. And just as soon as you get to the piano, honey, you can start playing. Lord.